Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Good morning, Lisa, and welcome to episode 76 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. Well, hi, Melissa. We are jumping on kind of spontaneously today and switching out the order of our planned podcast episodes this week because, like you all know, changes are happening rapidly in response to coronavirus. And so we wanted to take a few minutes and just offer you some help and some hope for parenting your kids and keeping your family as regulated and stable as possible. Even things are rapidly changing in Lisa's house. Uh, her husband is a university professor, needed her recording microphone to do some virtual teaching. So she sounds a little different this week. That's why. But we are not letting this, not, we are not letting that stop us from coming to you with some of our thoughts on how to handle this well, because our families are faced with unique challenges where a situation like this is, has extra layers than maybe the general population. Absolutely. I think, you know, our kids are often so prone to be dysregulated with change. I mean, just transitions are difficult. And now we're talking about, for a lot of us, our children are not going to be going to school. Talk about a wildly big change for them and for us, not to mention. I think we really want to be cognizant of their unique needs and know they're probably not going to just roll with it like other children might be able to. Well, and I'm even thinking this change is not a huge change for us. We only have one child in the public school system and he's pretty self-sufficient. We already homeschool our hardest child, but I'm feeling the general anxiety and kind of angst in the air around all of this. I've also probably been on social media a little bit more than I need to be. Just imagine how you're feeling about all of this. And then that's probably triple, quadruple, the kind of angst that our kids are internalizing because they already struggle to process big changes and unknowns and just the feeling of anxiety in the air. I think it's like coming up to a holiday, like the anticipation in the air in November and December, I think throws all of our kids off. And I think this situation has some similarities because you know, our bodies are throwing off all those, you know, billions of bits of intrinsic nonverbal information around. And I think everyone's a little bit on edge. Our children are so sensitive to our stresses, our anxiety, our, the tone of our voice. They are very, very perceptive and they will only be able to regulate to us. They will only be able to calm it with our help if we ourselves are calm and we cannot completely fake it. We actually have to work on being calm ourselves. Yeah. And so one of the things that strikes me is, and we've talked a little bit about this in other venues, is this negativity bias that our brain has. But with that, what our brain does is it's wired to look for evidence to support kind of what we think. And so part of, I think, our own regulation for this situation and something I'm working on daily at this point is the story, the internal story we're telling ourselves about this whole situation. And I think if we're already telling ourselves, you know, the next two or three weeks at home with our kids is going to be absolutely miserable, then our brain is going to start looking for evidence to make that true. And if we are trying to be as optimistic as possible and look for the silver lining and look for the upsides and look 
to see how we can kind of make lemonade from our lemons, then our brain's going to look for reasons for that also to be true. And so I think we can start with the story that we're telling ourselves about this whole situation. And that can drastically change, not just our own outlook, but then the outlook and the regulation of our kids. Right. I think our, our brains are actually like almost like hooking on to the information that supports what we're already believing. And I think for me and for you, Melissa, as people of faith, I think if we can wrap our heads around the fact that God is in this and he is with us and that we're not alone and we don't have to be afraid, that will really help us calm and give us a more positive mindset that then we can, then we can share with our kids. Yeah, I love it. So we actually also have some other just really practical things about how to do the next couple of weeks with your kids well. So one of them is routine. You know, our kids love routine. They love rhythm. They love predictability. And so I think it's tempting when we're off of school, especially without really a plan and all of a sudden to think like, it's like vacation mode or like you might still be trying to work at home while your kids are, you know, off and maybe they have a little bit of school or they don't. And so we might not stop and really make a plan for this. We've kind of been thrown into it. So we would really encourage you to put some structure around the time that your kids have at home because as a general rule, our kids don't do well when they have to structure their own time. Next, I would say that we need to have a realistic and probably somewhat low bar for our kids so that they can actually successfully get over it. I think if we set our expectations so high that then they're just going to be frustrated and we're going to be frustrated. So I think we need to be really realistic with how they're going to manage this, we have to remember that this is actually really hard work for them. For some of our kids, especially if you have kids who are not going to school, you know, one of the things I learned in my homeschooling days with my kids who joined our family later was that it was very hard for me, for them to have me as both their mom and their teacher, because having a mom was the hardest thing that they were doing anyhow. Just being home, whether, whether they've been in your family a long time or not, just being home and out of school and their different routines is probably going to be really hard work. It might be really tiring for them and it might be difficult. Secondly, I think a lot of our kids and I, you know, I've got middle schoolers and high schooler. They're going to be missing their friends and their teachers. They spend a lot of time in social situations and at school with their friends. I think they're going to miss them. And one of mine in particular, I know that is going to be one of the hardest, hardest parts of not being at school. So. We just need to be aware, really the challenge that our kids are facing so that we can be more accepting of whatever struggle they may have. Yeah, I think that's really important because maybe it means letting them FaceTime or play, you know, collaborative video games, ways that they can feel part of a community. Um, it also means that along with that high structure, because of this low bar, because it's going to be a lot of work for them they may not be able to do all the chores they normally do and do the packet of schoolwork that was sent home, all of that stuff. Like all of that might just be too overwhelming. So we are looking for structure, but we also, again, have to kind of balance it with expectations and what, what kind of structure we're providing um, so that everyone can feel successful. Along with that, and this is, I think, similar to the expectations, but I am a huge fan of 
having a really clear definition of what success is going to look like. And so I talk a lot about big definitions of success for our families, but also circumstantial ones. So over the next couple of weeks, what will your definition of success be? Make it something that is actionable to you, something you have control over. The definition of success is not going to be that your child does all of his homework because honestly, you don't have control over that. You can influence it, but you don't have control. So it might be just really simple things like you're going to greet each of your kids every morning with a smile. And then whatever happens after that happens, but just make sure that you are measuring your success um, by something you can control. Otherwise, I think we will come out on the under, other end of this much more tattered and war-worn. <laughs> Another tip that we have for you is to offer your children choices. And, you know, this is something we talk about a lot in terms of building trust in, in, between parent and child is that when we offer our children choices, they feel heard, they feel seen, and I think they can relax with us. They feel a little safer. So when things are really out of control and we offer our family members choices, that can bring down some of that anxiety and really help with um, them feeling a little happier. Uh, we'll, we'll put this in the show notes, but our friend Beth Guthenberger, who was just on the podcast not long ago, wrote a fantastic article on helping our families through this time. And that was one of the things she mentioned. And I thought, oh yeah, I teach this all the time, but I didn't think about it right now. So I'm really glad that she mentioned it. You know, let your kids choose things. What would you like to have for dinner? Shall we watch a movie as a family? What would you like to watch? You know, would you like to play Play-Doh or would you like to go outside? You know, just the more we can share that with them, I think it is a very regulating and trust building thing. Yeah, and kind of along with that, offer things that sound fun or ask them what sounds fun because laughter and fun do a whole lot of things for our nervous system in terms of reducing stress and increasing our immunity and laughter is free and is not going to run out at the grocery store. So, you know, it might not feel like you want to have fun with these kids that you're stuck inside with for the next three weeks. Well, we kind of have to, to keep our sanity. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a good point. Media. We need to probably turn off as much media as we can. You know, don't have the news playing in the background, stay off of social media. You know, all of these things are, again, increasing the angst in the environment that we're in. Um, and our kids are overhearing a lot, probably more than we realize. Another thing, just so, so basic. Make sure that all of you, not just your kids, are eating good food. You're staying hydrated. We know that a hydrated brain is a happier brain. And another thing Melissa and I talk about a lot is the importance of movement for regulation. We learned from Robin Goebel the idea that activities that are particularly regulating are repetitive, rhythmic, relational, and they have sensory input. So let's, let's just think about that for a minute. I think taking a walk, riding a bike. That's a rhythmic action that repeats over and over. If you're doing it with someone else, it's also relational. And of course, you're getting the sensory input all around you. So movement is very, very regulated. With that, there's a new book out by Kelly McGonigal um, called The Joy of Movement. And she talks about these myokines or myokines, which are referred to as hope molecules. And they are only released into our bloodstream from our muscles when they are being used for exercise and they help people recover from stress, recover from trauma. She says, think about movement as an 
intravenous dose of hope. And so I think in the environment that we're in right now and the, you know, just kind of craziness of it all, we all need some intravenous hope. And so we can get that by just getting out and moving our bodies. The other part of repetition is, is that we don't just go out for one bike ride. We go out maybe every day for a bike ride. We have to kind of sprinkle these in throughout our days um, with our kids. So that could be a big part of whatever structure and routine you're providing is maybe even multiple times a day, get out for a little bit of a movement break. You know, I, as I'm thinking about my kids being home, so really my kids are on spring break this week, but there's a big question that hopefully will be answered even before this episode comes out about whether they'll be going back to school after spring break. And I was thinking about how to provide activity and regulating activities for one of my kids in particular. And I decided to buy a trampoline and I'm not going to tell him it's a surprise. So if you actually know him, please don't tell him. But we have had trampolines in the past and he absolutely loves it. And we got rid of a pretty shabby broken down trampoline in time for our wedding, our daughter's wedding last summer. And he has not been happy about that ever since. So I'm going to surprise the boys with a new trampoline. Jumping on a trampoline is definitely rhythmic, repetitive. It can be relational and lots of sensory input. So for us, it, I think it's going to be worth every dollar I just spent to purchase a new trampoline. Lisa, are you going to insta story you jumping on the trampoline with your kids? Uh, you know, I just might do that, Melissa. It'll be really good for you. <laughs> yeah, it will be. It will be. As long as the gym stays open and I can get out for walks, I'll be doing okay. But, you know, things are changing. I don't even know if my gym's going to be open next week. We'll see. Yeah. A lot of you have reached out and said, oh, what about our older kids? And we already talked a little bit about how socially this is going to be a really tough time for them. Social distancing is like the last thing you want to do when you're a middle schooler or a high schooler. And one of the things that I think is really important for kids, but especially important for teens, is purpose. They need to feel like they have a purpose. I mean, we really all do. But as they're coming out of childhood and into more independence, this becomes really a huge part of their self-esteem, their ability to regulate, um, it fights against depression. I know sometimes it's hard to look for these things because we experience all of our kids' weaknesses. And those are, at least for me, the things that kind of flash and glare at me. But all of our kids have strengths and they can use those strengths to find a purpose. And then you might have to get a little creative. And the tricky thing is, is you probably can't create the purpose for them. So you can't all of a sudden be like, Hey, your purpose is to help me clean the house this week. But, you know, encourage them to find something that they are really motivated about that has some purpose um, and let them chase after that. And that can really help keep them occupied and mentally healthy during a crazy season like this. Yeah, I was thinking about this with my kids and, you know, Claire actually really loves to do my grocery shopping and be helpful with errands. No, she's not even here right now. So I, I will not commit her to anything, but I could see her being able to run errands for people like an older person who really should not go out of the house or someone with a new baby who really shouldn't be taking a new baby out of the house. You know, if, if you have a teen who's old enough to drive, there's a lot they can do to be helpful. And so, but I do think you're right, Melissa, that they have to kind of know what it is themselves. You know, maybe we can help them think about what they like, what they're good at, and then give them a direction so that they can find some purpose and be one of those helpers people are looking for in the midst of this crisis. 
Yeah. And I think that's good for us too, right? Sometimes when we are drowning in our own crisis, one of the best things we can do is step outside of it long enough to help someone else. It gives us a lot of perspective. I know this was really helpful for us when we were at the hardest place. Um, and it kind of makes no sense. Like, I mean, literally the situation was draining the life out of our family day by day. But when we could get outside of ourselves and go serve, it kind of staved off some of that chaos just a little bit. So if you feel like you're going to go insane over the next couple of weeks, maybe find a way that you could serve someone else. Yeah. And it might even be by sharing things you're finding online, by, you know, just reaching out to people, making phone calls to people who, who makes phone calls anymore. I hardly ever do only a couple people, but calling people or, you know what, even when we are quarantined, we can put a letter in the mailbox. So it might be a good time to reach out to people. Lastly, we want to talk about the importance of while you are putting all this effort into caring for your kids and your family, you really do have to consider yourself and take care of yourself as well. So we have a few ideas for that. Melissa, you want to jump in there? Yeah, we have a Facebook group that we would love for you to be a part of. And so if you feel like you still have questions about how you're going to survive the next couple of weeks, our community is a fantastic place to ask those questions. They're super kind. They're really helpful. So you can find that at theadoptionconnection.com slash Facebook. And then if you want even deeper community, if you would like to hang out on Zoom virtually for virtual coffee chats with Lisa and me and other adoptive moms, get kind of real-time interaction, the ability to vent, ask your questions, just feel the settling and peace that comes with being virtually surrounded by, you know, eight or nine other women at a time who really get what you're going through. That can be really important because if you're not staying off of social media, right, you're reading about all these other posts and, and what's going on with other people and your situation probably feels very different than what other people are posting about. So we do virtual coffee chats inside something we call the village. And we have one coming up this Thursday, March 19th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Lisa, what would that be for you? It's 11 a.m. Pacific. And so if you're in between there, you know. Yeah, adjust accordingly or con contact Google. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it's, it's a germ-free environment except for the germs in your own home. So we can see one another's faces. We can talk. It's completely spontaneous and engaging. And if you feel like you need a little more support right now, it's a great time to join. Join for a month if you want to and see if it meets your needs and just fills some of that need for support. Yeah. So we do those coffee chats four times a month, pretty much. Um, so that's the next one that's coming up. If you can't make that one, there's other ones on the books that you can be a part of. And you're welcome to come to as many as you can fit in your schedule if you're a member of the village. So if you would like to get in on the coffee chat, be in the village, um, we also have a, a chat board in there, kind of a Facebook group on steroids, if you will, um, then you can do that at theadoptionconnection.com slash village. And we will also still be releasing a podcast episode every week. We work hard to get a little bit ahead and we have a lot of great episodes coming up for you. So you can look forward to new episodes every Tuesday. Yeah. So as it turns out, the Adoption Connection is Corona proof. So we are also, we'll put some of the links to things that we reference in this episode, Beth Guckenberger's blog post, information about that Joy of Movement book, I don't know, anything else that we can come up with that we think is helpful. Also, NPR put a cartoon out for kids on 
explaining the coronavirus. So if you have kids who can read for themselves and are they're not interested in the information you have to give them, um, sometimes it's always great to have a third party. Um, we'll put that in. So I think it's important to be talking to our kids at their level about this, just like we approach their adoption stories. Don't try to, even though we're telling you to keep the news off, don't try to hide this from your kids. It's very clear to them that something is going on, even if they don't exactly know what it is. So it's better to put it out there and be able to give them information to alleviate their fears and their anxieties in age well, not age, developmentally appropriate language and conversations. So we'll have all of that at the show notes, which you can find at theadoptionconnection.com slash 76. We have complete confidence in you. We know you can do this. We know we can do this. It may not be easy, but we are going to be okay. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.